The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. So the fans are furious. Jurgen Klopp couldn't hide his disgust, and already players like James Milner have made their feelings known about it. So what chance now for the Super League? And how have Liverpool's owners, FSG, got this so badly wrong? It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pearce, Simon Hughes, Kiever O'Neill. On today's podcast, it's a massive one. It's so rare that football just feels secondary. But of course, Leeds versus Liverpool felt like it had nothing riding on it, given the um, humongous news that has been around in the past few days. Let's start off with with Simon. Simon, I bet you didn't even watch it, did you? Oh, <laughs> Given what you've learned in, in the last 48 hours. I suppose it was partly out of choice, but also responsibility. I mean, I was working quite late last night and this was the last thing on my mind. In, in, in some ways, the actual football, I think, once again, it sort of gravitate towards the, the pre- and post-match interviews and, and the comments around that. The football came secondary. Um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the game. For a couple of reasons, uh, it's just been another terrible couple of days in football, really. Um, I mean, how bad for you, Simon? Well, all of the fault lines in football have been exposed, which in some ways I think is actually a good thing, that suddenly, you know, we can see exactly what everyone is, is attempting to achieve. And I also think that, you know, I'm not one of these people who is a defender of UEFA or a defender of the Premier League or a defender of Sky. But I do think that the sort of the, the focus needs to swing back onto them as well. But I, fundamentally, you know, the, the actions of the big six, as they seem quite happy to call themselves, are just breathtakingly arrogant, ill-conceived and badly thought out, the strategy around it. I mean, they, they, they seem to be on the back foot from, from minute one. You know, I understand that it's always going to be quite an unpopular idea. But they haven't communicated anything really that, that would that would make people think, well, actually, this might be a good idea. So yeah, I mean, I I was just saying before off air, and I, I sort of apologise, repeat myself to you, Steve. But the worst element of the whole thing for me is the fact that the people who are wanting to do this are not willing to explain it and sit in the shadows and don't seem to want to take any accountability for their actions. Uh, I think particularly at this time in the world where, you know, I think a lot of people, particularly uh, in Britain, when we talk about Brexit and things like, things like that, are fed up of companies and, and big multinational organisations from a distance making decisions that affect lots of people without any communication, proper communication. I'm not surprised that the fallout has been this way because at the moment, John Henry is as far as I can tell, attempting to portray that Liverpool cannot afford not to be on this, this path when they're the ones who are driving it. It's Liverpool and Man United in this country who have had the greatest appetite for this to happen. And it was the same with Big Picture. So this idea that Liverpool have to be on this, this course is absolute nonsense. And John Henry needs to explain to people why, why this needs to happen. Because... At the moment, it just feels like he is sitting in a prison cell, taking the Fifth Amendment, 
deciding not to take any responsibility for his actions and let lots of people fill in the gaps with lots of speculation. Some of it might be wrong. A lot of it possibly could be right. But and let everybody else sort of deal with the fallout of it. I just think it's a poor and way to lead a football club. I think it's a disgrace. I think, you know, people have criticised previous owners, quite rightly, Hicks and Gillette. And if he's not careful, you know, if, if Jürgen Klopp goes down the route, which you can tell he's, he's absolutely pissed off about what's happened, if he were to end up leaving Liverpool over this, any goodwill, anything that they've achieved in the past can be forgotten. For, for a lot of people. So they need to be tread very carefully because the way they've handled this has been absolutely shocking. And uh, unless that changes, unless they change tact or at least try to take responsibility for what they've done, then I don't think this, this ends happily. Let's start with how badly misjudged it's been, particularly with relationship to the manager, James. You were at Ellen Road and... I would imagine, you know, eyes were constantly on the manager, what he's saying, the players around them as well. Um, it, it's shocking to think that Jurgen Klopp knew nothing whatsoever about these developments until, what, 48 hours ago. I know, but, and I think we know why, because if he had done, if he had been kept in the loop and if he knew that John W. Henry, Tom Werner and Mike Gordon were about to commit Liverpool to this plan, he, he would have told them, don't do it. You know, this is a horrendous idea that will massively damage not just Liverpool's history and traditions, but English football in general. So I think it's pretty obvious why he wasn't kept in the loop. And I, I felt incredibly sorry for Jurgen Klopp at Ellen Road on, um, on Monday evening because he was put in, in an impossible position. You know, he shouldn't have been the person facing up to those TV cameras. It wasn't his idea yet he was completely hung out to dry by his bosses. And, um, you know, what a way to treat a man who, you know, as people like Henry Werner and Gordon have, have loved basking in the glory of the great achievements under Klopp's reign. You know, they've had an asset which has massively grown financially for them because of the Klopp factor and his brilliance as a manager. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was an absolute slap in the face for a great man that he had to... He had to deal with, you know, all of that fallout. And um, as Simon said, you know, the, the biggest thing that gets me is if you really think this is a great idea and you honestly believe that this is for the greater good and or even or even just for your own good, you know, even even if it's just purely greed, come out, come out and own it and tell everyone why it is, why you are back in this, you know, have the bravery to do that. And um, yeah, that's the thing that gets me, the fact that we've got this vacuum and then you've got a situation where Klopp and his staff and his players are getting abused on a walk around Leeds and then being called scum and, and greedy bastards when they arrive at Ellen Road on Monday night. And um, it's unfair, but do you know what? The people they should be directing their anger at is, is FSG. And, I, and that goes for Klopp and the players because I think they've been massively let down by their paymasters. Yeah, they're just trying to win football matches, aren't they? What, what Klopp didn't do, Kiva, was he didn't hang FSG out to dry. He, he called them reasonable, really good people. I wonder whether that was because he's maybe in his head he's just playing a longer-term game and he thinks he needs to know more and he can maybe facilitate some sort of turnaround here. He's in such a difficult place there, isn't he, to, to be able to say that. So what he did say, I think, was enough for us. 
you know, we know that, and, you know, after in the post-match press conference, he said, you know, I will try and sort it. And you feel like it was almost like a father figure kind of moment where you're like, all right, yeah, and dad said he'll sort it, he's going to sort it. And like, we're all now pinned to that, like hope that Jürgen will sort it, that James Milner, another kind of father figure of football almost, that, you know, they've, they've taken that on. I think it would have been impossible for him to come out, you know, we would have loved it, but I don't think he's in that position to to call out, you know, the owners who they are his employers at the end of the day. And I feel like, you know, all managers have been placed in a, a really, really bad situation. We saw how Thomas Tuchel sort of took it. He, Jürgen didn't go down that road, did he? You know, he, he stood by what he, his comments from 2019. And I think it is such a, a difficult situation for him. I think he probably in hindsight may regret the sort of, you know, taking it out on Gary Neville because I think that sort of took away from what the real argument was when they're actually really on the same team. You know, that sort of just didn't need to happen almost, did it? And then Neville sort of, you know, had every right to have his little moment sort of of, of backlash against Jürgen. But that just was another thing just to sort of dispel what, what the argument and the focus needs to be on and which I, I do think Monday Night Football's coverage was great in sort of you know drumming drumming that noise up because for yet yeah, much of yesterday it felt like the grimmest the grimmest time ever for a lot of football fans and I think that's why I mean Simon didn't watch the match obviously James was there I watched it but was like wasn't really watching it like it felt like I wasn't even in the room like that's what this Super League's gonna do if it if it's allowed to go through it's going to take every little bit of joy away from football you there's just nothing to play for and it's already had that effect last night so how bad is it going to be when it ac- is actually a thing I think you even sort of then question you know your individual self could I do this job if that was sort of something that we'd be reporting on constantly because it just it's like you know football is such a passionate competitive sport and that would take everything good away from football and I don't think you get any joy from even reporting on it let alone supporting it. Simon just thinking back to what you were saying and Klopp's reaction to all this and he is very much the father figure of the football club that there isn't a chance that this will go so stale so rotten that Jürgen would consider his position. I think there's a chance it could yeah I mean he he was obviously feels strongly opposed to this so if he carries on managing Liverpool this is just me speculating, by the way. This isn't me with any insight into the discussions that have happened over the last couple of days. I'm just sort of trying to read between the lines. But knowing the man that he is, he's he he would not want to be a part of this. And if he carried on and this did become a thing, then he would people would question his integrity as a person. And he seems to me the sort of person who who values that. So it's gonna lead to some very serious conversations between Jürgen Klopp and, and Mike Gordon. I mean, he's the, like, he, he's the point of communication with FSG, Mike Gordon, and they do have a very close relationship. And I, I, I'm just astonished to find that this hasn't been come up in any discussion with, with Jürgen Klopp. He doesn't have that sort of closeness in his relationship with, with John Henry. But then again, I don't think anybody does. I think he's a bit of a recluse, really, in, in many ways. And... It's certainly been, obviously it's FSG as a whole, isn't it? But John Henry is, is the principal owner of Liverpool Football Club and, the, and the, main, the main man at FSG. But I think that they have to be very careful, FSG, because if Jürgen Klopp were to leave Liverpool Football Club off the back of this, 
their reputation amongst the whole fan base will be in tatters. There will be no way back. There will be absolutely no way back. People, what they need to remember is people do not care about the owners or who they are, what they've achieved. Nobody in football has ever sang a song about the owners unless you're Blackburn Rovers and you're Jack Walker because he was a local fella. Nobody cares what the owners do. You're always there to be shot at. And so you're never going to get the pat, pat on the back from the fans. The goodwill will last a certain amount of time when you win something, but there's always the next challenge. And if, as an ownership group, you're showing signs that you're not as committed or you're trying to take advantage of a situation or take advantage of their own fans, then you're on the back foot straight away. And I don't know how many times they have to learn this lesson. It's just every six months, there's something that they get wrong. It's, I just find it astonishing that... You know, they talk about the fans and the, the greatness of the fan base and the power of Anfield, and they sell that product, and yet not willing to communicate with the fans over an issue that affects everyone. I just think it's, again, breathtakingly arrogant, breathtakingly self-centred, and fundamentally wrong what they've done. Understand that you, you might not be able to communicate everything that you, you, you're attempting to do before an event, but to sell Liverpool's name down the river without even mentioning it to the manager who's come out and opposed this. I just think it's astonishing. I think they made a massive, massive mistake and they created more problems than it's worth. You know, I think, I think that, again, like last night, I think I didn't see the game, but speaking to my friends, I think it affected the mood and affected Liverpool's performance. And when stuff like that starts affecting performances on the pitch, and we've been there before under Hicks and Gillette, you know, I'm not saying history's repeating itself, but if you have a situation where Jurgen Klopp isn't drawing battle lines with the owners like Rafa Benitez had to with the previous owners, then we all know where that ends. And Jamie Carragher mentioned it the other day on Sky, and I agree with him. I said, if, 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 if they end up losing the manager over this, and if they take the wrong decision, you know, Liverpool fans will not forget it. If they think that they've been criticised on Twitter, a lot of fans, FSG out and all this palaver, it's going to get an awful lot worse, I think. I think local fans will not put up with this. It'll be the end for them. So they need to listen and wise up pretty quickly. Let's talk about the fan base in some detail. James, I, I went down to Anfield yesterday. There's banners hung outside there, RIP Liverpool. And sort of quite ironically, above that, on the cop stand, there's uh, a massive Nike advertisement which says, tell us never. And I was looking at it thinking, yeah, most fans would be thinking that. Please tell us this is never never the truth. But in terms of the fans and the relationship with FSG, and Simon mentioned they made numerous mistakes over the furlough scheme, trademarking the word Liverpool, being involved in big picture. How, how much of a tightrope are they now walking? We've heard, of course, that Spa and Cop are taking their, their flags and banners off the Cop this weekend for the Newcastle game. Yeah, well, I think for a start, this is on a whole different stratosphere to trying to hike up ticket prices to £77 furloughing staff and trying to trademark the name of Liverpool. This, this, this is on a whole, a whole different level. And I think regardless of what happens from now, I think this has tarnished their legacy forever. You know, you can't even, even if you now backtrack on this and, you know, God, I really hope there is another U-turn for the FSG collection. Even if they do, you know, the, the, the fact that they were ready to, to go this far with such a distasteful plan will always leave a, a sour taste in, in the mouth. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was a smart move by the supporters groups to, um, to demand the removal of all those banners and flags from the COP. 
I actually thought it was the one, you know, aside from, you know, going down a bit of a, you know, a, a kind of a tribal warpath with, with Gary Neville and having to go at him, I actually thought it was the one real mistake that Klopp made because he was, you know, it was such a minefield. He was trying to negotiate with his, with his media commitments on Monday night. And on the one hand, yes, you know, he made it clear he opposed the Super League, yet on the other, didn't go as far as really condemning the owners and refused to admit that he felt really let down. But where where I thought he got it wrong was saying that, you know, the, the fans are wrong to remove the flags and banners because he said, you know, that only hurts the players and the team. And, you know, he's, he made the point, which, OK, it's fair enough that, you know, he wasn't involved in the decision. The players aren't involved in the decision. So don't, you know, don't reduce your support. But I just think from the fans' perspective, you know, their options are so limited at the moment. You know, it's the other cowardly thing for me about this is that they know at the moment that they don't have the, yes, there's a backlash on social media, but do you really think they care about that? They're not interested. You know, what they would be interested in is if you had 54,000 inside Anfield this weekend for the visit at Newcastle, and you had mass protests outside the ground, inside the ground, chants against the owners, then you had probably a mass walkout. You know, that that's when, you know, sponsors and, you know, c- commercial stuff, they, they get twitchy over stuff like that. But fans can't do that at the moment because of the pandemic. But what they can do is do something symbolic, like removing the flags and the banners. And, and I think that would be a powerful image on the weekend. So I think Klopp got that wrong because it's not about, fans losing faith in the team this is about something bigger and do you know what if it affects Liverpool for a couple of games and, it, and it's the difference between finishing fourth or fifth then then so be it because this is about something so much bigger than that this is about you know the the long-term future not just a Liverpool but of, of football in general so um I, I think you know absolutely you know credit to the fans and I'm sure we'll see you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see that mobilise even further because this, this backlash isn't going anywhere. It's not like, it's not the kind of thing that's just going to burn itself out within a few days. It's it's here to stay because, you know, there is so much anger at these horrendous proposals. Can I just say as well, touching on what James said there, I think what they've also done is they risk public health as well here because people, I think, will respond on the streets eventually if this, if this carries on. Um, you know, there is a potential to, to prompt Liverpool fans to, to react in a way which would mean that, they, you know, there would be a mass gathering, which then leads us in a direction that we don't want to go in. They haven't even stopped to consider that. You know, people in Liverpool feel passionately about their football club. You know, they don't want this. They don't want, they, they don't want this to happen. They don't want, you know, I'm not saying that everybody, there are some people who might agree with the idea, but on, in the main, most people do not want to be a part of this. And Liverpool people don't just stand on that, you know, sit down and, and wait for, for, for something to, to brush over. They, they, they will react to it. So I, I think they've acted irresponsibly as well at this time. You know, they, they've seen, I just don't understand, they've seen how the fans react, like with the mass walkout at the Sunderland game in 2016. And the, the, yet they still chant it again. They still chant it over and over again. As far as I'm concerned, now they will never learn they're not learning from the mistakes anymore. It's just unacceptable. Sorry, I just ran to Don there. But I, I, I... No, that's fine. But, but as James mentioned there, perhaps, uh, you know, the owners are thinking this is the perfect time. The, the fans can't walk out of the stadium. You know, how, how many ways can they demonstrate their anger to, to all this? Well, they, they can't, but they could, they could, if they wanted to, arrange themselves outside the grounds, which would the cameras would be there straight away if that were to happen. I'm not saying that will happen, but they've taken the risk 
and endangered people's safety, I think, by this decision. Without being too dramatic about it, I could understand why people would want to show how they, you know, how they feel about this situation. Because once we come out of the pandemic, football could be looking very different to what we went into, you know, through the ambitions of, of people who have absolutely no history with football beyond the, you know, the last the last 10 years, trying to shape the whole game and shake it up. I mean, what we haven't really discussed, Steve, is why this is wrong. And it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not really one person who, who cares deeply about the, the fortunes of other football clubs or the organisations or, or other places. Even I, I, I care about Liverpool and, and how things work out here. But I do actually also care about football. And when I see this happening, it takes away, you know, it will weaken the national football structure that we have, which I know it's got its faults and its criticisms, but it's still, in terms of the football and the football culture, it's so ingrained in, in what happens and how people feel in this country. That's a good thing. And I think that in the long term, if, if, if these clubs break away and they still want to have the cake and eat it and they still play in the Premier League, there'll be a closed shop for the European Super, the European uh, Super League. There'll be a closed shop at the very top of the Premier League and the whole thing will wither on the vine. Interests will wane over. It won't happen overnight, but it will eventually happen. Um, they don't seem to be mindful of any of that. You know, the... Already it's hard enough to get into football grounds. There's been no guarantee, it's all no reassurances that football, you can guarantee that it's not going to be a cheaper sport to, to watch. It's going to, not going to be a cheaper sport to, to partake in. The costs are going up all the time because all these clubs are going to have to find a way of paying back the massive loan from JP Morgan that they're going to be taking out. You know, particularly if they don't, they don't, you know, they don't get the TV revenues that they're expecting. So just everybody gets hit in the pocket. And the only people that might benefit it over a 10-year period are the owners, really, or choosing when they want to, you know, according to when they sell the club. And that accounts not just for Liverpool, but for the Glazers, who we saw yesterday, had a massive spike in their, in their, uh, on, on, the, on the stock exchange, on the share price. You know, so already they benefited financially from what happened yesterday. I'd, I'd love to know, and I don't suppose we do know, Keith, but I'd love to know, who has actually led this out of the, the 12 clubs that have been in, in conversation? I mean, from what, what you read online, Joel Glazer, uh, John W. Henry, some of the key figures, it almost makes it feel worse if, if the owner of Liverpool was the man leading this potential revolution. Yeah, I mean, it's just sickening, isn't it, when you think, you know, I was chatting to my mum about it last night and she got on a soapbox, like, you know, we all have been in the past couple of days. And she said, you know, they own the club as a passionate fan. She said this. She said, they own the club, but we are the club. And I thought that summed it up quite well for all clubs that are involved in this. Their aims have been tarnished now. And it's kind of irreparable almost among, you know, the wider audience. You saw the way Leeds fans reacted to, to Liverpool's players and manager and, you know, the staff last night. That's going to continue now for the rest of the season. For a, and if this goes forward, how long more so? That'll just be forever. Like, I just, what this has got the potential to do is, like Simon sort of was alluding to there, is the slow, agonising death of the game we all love. And, you know, I don't even think that's over-dramatising it because that is what what is, what is on hand to happen here. And um, I think, you know, when you think of... John Henry and maybe being a leader here and then no one, the irony of it is everyone's speaking out against it, but no one's coming forward to speak for it. You, you haven't even got them. 
saying, you know, this is why they're not standing up and saying this is why we think it. You know, you saw the sort of Florentino Perez chat and wham last night on some Spanish TV thing. And he's the only one who sort of, you know, stepped out from under the, the, the roof they've all been hiding under. You know, they've put the statement out there and then they've just kind of like let it explode. And that's what's happened. Is it, is it too late, Kiva, for, for anyone from Liverpool, from the hierarchy to actually come out now? Have we gone past that point? Yeah, it doesn't matter, whatever. If if they're all for it still, then it doesn't matter. If they come out and say, oh, do you know what? Actually, we've had second or change of plan. We're going to just leave it. We would welcome that. A lot of people would welcome that, if not all people. But I think the, the other irony for me is that, you know, I, I, I've written a piece with Phil Buckingham, uh, one of our writers on the, the women's side of it. And the irony for FSG is that for a long time, they've underfunded and overlooked the women's team. And, you know, the women women's football in that I think it was 700 odd word statement got I think 27 words to say oh and yeah um we'll set up a women's league once this one's all sorted out it was it was just you know it's been viewed as a distasteful afterthought as though you know oh we better mention the women's game or they'll you know they'll kick off or whatever and it's like just that kind of arrogance and ignorance is just overbearing and no one within the women's game has even heard anything. You know, maybe other, maybe first team managers were starting to get the idea of it a little bit sooner than them. But the women's game were totally in the dark on all of this. That's managers, players. Anyone I approached for comment couldn't comment because they didn't know anything. I think that just shows the kind of disregard these people are showing. And I think they'll continue to show. And that's the worry. That's the worry because they've, they've shown it now. And... Are they going to come out and apologise and is it all going to go away? And I think that's the that's the one worry for fans because, you know, it just feels like almost I've got to keep talking about it and, you know, things will happen. But it just feels like, can we stop it? And I think that's the that's the one sort of issue that the fans have with it because they, they feel powerless and, and that's never a nice feeling. It's the Red Agenda with Simon Hughes, James Pierce, Kiva O'Neill and myself, Steve Hother, saw your Liverpool dedicated podcast. Um, what about the players in all this? We saw James Milner's disgust at the idea. Couldn't say too much, but I've, I've got the feeling that more and more players might give their feelings in the next couple of weeks. And would some players, perhaps not from Liverpool, actually be interested in playing in this sort of league? You know, you're a Spurs player, the chance to play Barcelona, Real Madrid. What, what do you think, James? Well, I think the first thing to say is, Credit to James Milner for taking the stand that he did. Uh, you know, I think what was his quote? I, I don't like it. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I think he spoke for the vast, vast majority of of Liverpool fans on on that point. And you know, I, I think I think certainly from the agents I've spoken to in the last what 24, 36 hours, there's just a lot of uncertainty because you know, as you know, not surprisingly, because there was no consultation with Klopp. You know, there was certainly no consultation with the players. You know, some of them didn't know about it until they, you know, they didn't know it was definitely happening until they woke up on Monday morning and Klopp spoke to them about it at a team meeting, you know, that day that was supposed to be focused on preparations for the Leeds game, trying to ensure that that mine's focused on the job in hand. But um, yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of anger amongst the players that it was allowed to overshadow, you know, what they what they felt was going to be a huge game. We don't even know, do we now, whether that was an important two points dropped or not, because no one knows where we go from here in terms of whether top four this season is even particularly important. And, um, 
yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens now in terms of which other pr- players are prepared to come out and speak out. I hope, I hope that James Milner will be the first of many. I know some would say it's maybe a little bit easier for James Milner the fact that he's at the very back end of his career. Um, maybe others have got have got more to lose. But yeah, I'd I'd like to think that the players will mobilise and make it, you know, make their point as strongly as possible to Henry Werner and Gordon because um, you know I, th- I think for them you know they they don't know where where this all goes you know what's you know what does it does it mean that you know if you stay at Liverpool and be part of this league are you going to be banned from playing for your country so is that does that mean Mo Salah can't go to the World Cup and represent Egypt you know does what does it mean for contracts you know are the clubs in breach of contracts when you know Champions League bonuses and, and all the rest of it are built into these contracts well you know, if you're not even if you're if you're taking those players out of those competitions, where does that, where do they lie with that? So you know, it's an absolute legal minefield, and um, yeah, I just think it's massively unsettling for the players because you know I think it's probably too easy to say, well, you know, they probably don't care because they might end up earning you know fifty percent more than they earn at the moment. Well, you know, I, I think for the players that I know, there would be genuine worry for the for the future of the game rather than blatant self-interest i mean simon they're all in it for sporting achievement <laughs> they've got to be haven't they you come you join liverpool you you see they've won 19 titles six european cups it's sporting greatness that this fundamentally is so far away from what footballers would have entered the game for yeah i, th- I think obviously players now are under the spotlight all the time for the money that they earn and I think that is understandable because they do earn an awful lot of money, a lot more money than the predecessors. What I would say is that, you know, the, the very best players are motivated by success but the, the, and, and, as you say, trophies. But the problem is, I guess, is that the trophies and the success is often wedded to the clubs that have the most money. So it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? I agree with James. I, I think that a lot of the players, and I'm reading some of the some of the coverage that the Athletic have given, you know, seem to be a bit confused and worried and don't get the impression that the, anyone, you know, for a minute once thinking, right, I can earn a, an extra couple of million quid a year, a year. I think the way things have been for footballers for quite a few years now is that their lives are quite uncomfortable in the sense that, you know, the amount of abuse that they get on social media after a bad performance. I think if they were to go and play in this competition, given the the reaction to it, I think they'd probably be concerned about how people would would look at them as well. They're, they're obviously very image conscious, aren't they? And so they're the ones who are going to be in the firing line again. The players. I mean, it's not the, the players aren't demanding it. It's it's the owners and, and the players are the ones who are going to have to talk about it. I mean, the owners. I think quietly probably believe that the players are earn too much money as well. You know, I think that they would quite happily have it on record that, that the players, you know, that the players' wage demands are, are pushing football in this direction. You know, that very few, not many clubs took massive pay cuts through the pandemic. So they had to pay the players the amount of money. Uh, there weren't many players stepping forward saying, well, look, I can see the way it's going. We're going to, we're going to take big pay cuts to make sure that, you know, the club's safe throughout this period. But the club has made that commitment to them of the club's, aren't necessarily cash rich, but they've got a lot of a lot of revenues coming in still, even without the pandemic, I would say. So I, I would think that the players would be at this stage, given the reaction, would not be thinking about how much money they can earn. They'd be worried about 
what it means for them in a sporting sense and and how they might be received publicly as well. I mean, as James said at the beginning, we saw yesterday, you know, they were getting heckled down the streets. The splitters, basically. Um, you know, so uh, they, 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 that will have had an impact on them. I'm absolutely certain of that. Condemnation from lots of quarters, Kiva. Uh, Everton becoming the first Premier League club to issue a, a statement, statement from the board. Everton saddened and disappointment to see these proposals and it goes on to say the backlash is understandable and deserved and has to be listened to. This is preposterous arrogance. Fantastic statement from Everton. Yeah, and I think it's what's needed from all the clubs outside of you know, these 12 across Europe. Everyone needs to condemn it and call it out um, and the conversation needs to be ongoing. This can't let up, you know, kind of what Carragher and Neville were saying last night because you know, once this, it sort of starts to fade away and that's what they'll hope, you know, they've had people, whoever's been in their sort of PR machine that thinks, you know, eventually all this stuff will go away. Um, but, you know, if that conversation keeps happening, Everton and another club, another club, then it's, you know, it's constant. What I don't want it to happen is, is for us to become sort of like immune to it. And it's like, oh, everyone's releasing these statements, kind of like when, you know, something like the coronavirus or whatever, and, you know, all clubs would sort of follow suit and, and release a statement. You don't want to become sort of numb to it like everyone's doing it. It needs to be hard hit. And I think Everton, in the, the words, got it spot on, and I think all clubs need to follow that. Um, it's just, I mean, it's depressing really, isn't it? Um, it's hard to sort of find the words, even though we've spoke at length on this podcast, just for how how grim it feels and just how, and I think, you know, everyone listening to this will be feeling the same. It's like, I just go back to that point we made earlier. If, if watching Liverpool felt that way last night, how would it become, how would it then feel watching them in this Super League? Because let's be honest, we've all watched those international friendlies in the US and wherever else against these teams, which is basically the format they're kind of going for, but across a league season. And I know friendlies are generally usually boring and there's a lot more younger players involved. But I think it'd still be the same. It's just, I don't know, it's it's dull. It's dull. Right, let's finish on how much you guys care about qualifying for, for top four now. And actually, you know, is it irrelevant or not? Um, we don't know how quickly these plans will, will move ahead. James, top four, what, what, what does it mean in your head? You, have you completely changed over the course of the past few days or still as important? Yeah, I, but no, I, I don't know how it, I don't know how anyone can feel that it's still as important because I don't know, it just even even sat there watching Lorente head home that late equaliser at Ellen Road on on Monday night. It was, I don't know, just felt indifference more than anything because it was just like, well, you know, on the one hand, you know, you know, shame to see Liverpool toss away two points carelessly, but does it matter? Do we, you know, you know what, what? No one knows what happens from here because this is absolute uncharted territory, isn't it? So, um, and, and and I think that is clearly the massive problem for Jurgen Klopp is he has to try and keep things together. He has to try and you know ensure that Liverpool do finish this season strongly because you know who knows what happens. It, the, the, you know the top four could be massive in terms of this summer and next season, but it might mean absolutely nothing because. The Premier League, you know, will 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 Liverpool even be, you know, even if the Super League goes ahead but doesn't start till 2022, 
you know, I can't see any way how UEFA would possibly let Liverpool take part in UEFA competitions next season anyway. And then you've got the implications where, you know, are they even going to be allowed to continue in the Premier League? Um, so, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, absolute hollow indifference, I'd say, at the moment, which is incredibly sad because um, I was actually looking forward to the last month of the season because it felt as if, you know, Liverpool you know, rewind 48 hours and we were talking about Liverpool having won three Premier League games on the bounce for the first time since the first three games of the season um, and, you know, other results going their way and, and a chance to salvage something from a really difficult season. Now, it, it all just seems a bit meaningless. Regardless of what happens and whether Liverpool back off it, whether one of the big clubs moves away and it all collapses, side there is a very big stinking mess that needs to be resolved the landscape has completely shifted now hasn't it yeah um i mean kiva touched on it at the beginning about how people generally feel about football at the moment and i wrote about it a few weeks ago about the absence of fans var now this you know how much are they trying gonna try and change football uh, i do think that the game needs reform but i i actually think that you know, reform is, is probably needed quite regularly in, in football, actually, you know, to to to, to move with the times. And, and, and it's a fast-moving sport where the landscape shifts very quickly. So I've always felt that football has never moved quickly enough with the, the competition that uh, or the, the environment that it exists in. Um, I certainly think that it does need reform, but this is not the solution. Um, no way. It's just not the solution. I mean, everybody's spoken about it. Apologise for repeating, but what is great about football is that sense of jeopardy and that sense of unscripted drama. that You don't know for certain what's going to happen on any given match day. And there is a chance that if you slip up, you could end up in trouble. Or if you do really well, you could end up overachieving or, or achieving the impossible. I think what they've done with this model is ensure that the, the chances of that going either way decrease which therefore makes their investments a lot safer in the clubs that they own. Uh, and that is not football. It's just you know, then the, the whim of, of people who fundamentally aren't in football for sporting reasons. They're in it for their, their, own, their own ends and the money that they can take out of the game. Because I've always said along, all along with FSG is that they will not take money out of the Liverpool Football Club in a way that maybe owners of other football clubs have, you know, on a and, and profited in a short-term basis. Their long-term aim is to increase the value of Liverpool um, to the point that when and when and if they do eventually sell it, that the, the 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 profit that they have is just considerably greater. And given the, the original investments, and given that the um, the current value of the club is is 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 times bigger than it was when they they uh, they originally bought the club. They've already achieved that. So yeah, it's 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 been a, a really demoralising week so far. I'm not too sure where it ends really. Um, I'd like to say that I do, but I think this is going to rumble on for an awful long time. Absolutely, um, brilliant stuff from the guys. Sai, James, uh, Kiva, thank you. And there are so many articles on the Athletic right now discussing the controversial plans for the European Super League. Uh, Simon's article on how the staff at Liverpool found out. Is a must-read for all fans. So to access that, go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod and you can sign up with a 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod.
The Athletic.